Welcome to the King's Chapel Alaska podcast. From wherever you are listening, we are so excited that you tuned in today. Let's prepare our hearts to hear from God's Word. All right, Ezekiel chapter 3. Let's all stand for the reading of God's Word, verse 16. And we'll go through verse 21, reading from the New King James Version. Now it came to the pass at the end of seven days that the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, I've made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore hear the word from my mouth and give them warning from me. When I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, You give him no warning, nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life. That same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but, everybody say but, but his blood I will require at your hand. Yet if you warn the wicked, and he does not turn from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity, but you have delivered your soul. Verse 20, again, when a righteous man turns from his righteousness and commits iniquity, and I lay a stumbling block before him, he shall die because you did not give him warning. He shall die in his sin, and his righteousness, which he has done, shall not be remembered, but his blood I will require at your hand. Nevertheless, If you warn a righteous man and the righteous, pardon me, if you warn the righteous man that the righteous should not sin and he does not sin, he shall surely live because he took warning. Also, you will have delivered your own soul. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Mess us up with truth. Set us right. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Speak to us. May we live a changed life after tonight. Let your anointing come upon me. Come upon all of us. Give us ears to hear, a heart to respond, what you would say to the bride, what you would say to the church tonight. will not stop you. will not hinder you. We'll give you praise, glory, and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. We do have notes for you. And we'll encourage you to go ahead and fill those in as we move along. At the writing of this text here in Ezekiel, we've we've looked at a couple different passages, uh, beginning from Ezekiel 1. Talked about the glory of God back in December. And uh, I'm revisiting this book again tonight. Just felt it was a timely word. And all the goings-on about the community, and the hour and the day in which we live. At the writing here, this prophet Ezekiel, from a priestly line, there were three world powers, Egypt, Assyria, and Babylon is on the rise to give you the context of what's taking place. Assyria had destroyed the northern kingdoms, carried the ten tribes off. This is history and uh, disperse them. That's called the diaspora, ten tribes of Israel dispersed all over the world. There's a phenomena in in, uh, standing in agreement with the prophetic word that God would bring his people from all over, and there's a 
There's a thing called Aliyah, where they're coming from all over, every nation, returning to Israel, even as I speak. The stories of that are phenomenal. God's gathering Israel again, even though it's a, people say it would never be a nation. Well, it was. Can a nation be born in the day? Yes, it was. In fulfillment of so many prophetic promises. And, and um, the northern tribes carried off Judah's left in the south at this time. Uh, maybe if you know the story of Sennacherib comes in Hezekiah's day and, and encamps around to destroy God's people and Isaiah prophesies that he's going to return another way and going to be confused and all kinds of things like that. One angel, just one, one angel. One angel wiped out 185,000 men, just one, not a band, not two or three, one. And by the way, there's only one angel that's going to take a big chain and wrap it around Satan and throw him in the lake of fire. You don't need a whole band. You just, just one will do. Pretty Murph jacked angel, I think. So Nebuchadnezzar captured Jerusalem on March 16th, just past the anniversary of that, 597 B.C. And those who were captured, Ezekiel was one of those. That's not when, that's not when Jerusalem was leveled. Jerusalem got leveled after that on July uh, 31st, I believe it is. Let me see. Uh, 605 B.C., Jerusalem is leveled. Might have the dates off. It's, it, was a, it was a long time ago. We looked at this last passage about how God equipped Ezekiel for the task and how he equips us. I am uh, praying every day that God would give us laborers, that God would give us leaders. I started a new series on Sunday uh, and talked about how God's creating teams. We have a, a, a little touch point and saying, getting it deep in our spirit. It's the word of the Lord for, for kings worldwide. Multiply. Everybody say multiply. Multiply. And we say it this way. I am blessed and I will multiply. Say that. I am blessed and I Good. Now let's make it corporately. We are blessed and we will multiply. And for all you King, King Jamesers, you can say I shall. If you want to, you just say shall. And then it's like King James. Okay, that might comfort you. Let's look at the text. The call of Ezekiel is similar, really, to, to our call in our life. And you say, what do you mean by that? Ezekiel does not want to talk to the stiff-necked people. He's a prophet, and he doesn't want to talk to, to the people. If you look at verse 14 of Ezekiel 3, it says, So the Spirit lifted me up and took me away, and I went in bitterness. Why did he go in bitterness? In the heat of my spirit. But the hand of the Lord was upon me. Because God called him, and he's like, I don't want to go. I don't know if you ever witnessed to somebody that flat out doesn't want you talking to them about Jesus. I was that person, and so were some of you. I, was, I told my brother, shut, read my white lips, shut up. Shut up. I don't want to hear Jesus, anyway, Jesus, and I don't know why he's smiling all the time, and that big, you're like brainwashed. But he prayed. I told him to shut up. Ezekiel did not want to witness to people who didn't want to hear him. He, they were stiff-necked and a rebellious people. But the Spirit lifts him up in verse 14, and he's like, no, you, dude, you are going. You know when God jacks you up, you better get going. Yeah. 
That's what happens. That's what happens. They're like, no, you are, you are going. And so he's like, all right. I mean, he's not even happy about it. I mean, it's like he was forced. Verse 15, look at verse 15. So the Spirit lifted me up, took me away, and I went in bitterness. Okay, verse 15. Then I came to the captives who dwelt by the river Chabar, and I sat where they sat, remained there astonished among them seven days. So you got to get the picture. I mean, I, I can really relate with Ezekiel. And if you're, I know, maybe, you know, you can, but I can't. Where the Lord had called me to do something, and he's so on me to do it, and I'll get moving, but I won't get, you know, delayed obedience is disobedience. I just want to say that. If you're getting after it eventually, you're still disobeying when he tells you to do it. So Ezekiel gets the word of the Lord. He's like, God, I want to go. And he, he's, the Lord says, no, you're going. And he kind of moves him by the Spirit. He sets him down for seven days. So he's like, he gets there, and he sits down. for. So they're all among him. He's at the river, and he's like, man, I hate these people. You know, that, it's, that's the picture, okay? The picture is he still ain't telling them anything. Ezekiel is stunned. He's overwhelmed as he sits among the people, called to witness to them for seven days, not doing a blasted thing, not doing one thing. And so the Lord motivates him in an amazing way. God motivates him by telling him what his appointment is. And you'll see this appointment of watchmen. It's mentioned here. It's also mentioned in Ezekiel 33, which we'll go to in just a moment. He motivates him by telling him what he's been equipped to be. He's a watchman. Everybody say that. He's a watchman. A watchman is a, a sentry, if you will, somebody put on a post, mostly at night, to look for marauders, to, to, to warn people of danger. Now, the spiritual application is this. He's warning these people, whether they be righteous, as we're about to find out through this incredible motivation, whether they be righteous or they be sinners, he's sent to warn them of God's impending judgment. Yeah, yeah, he's going to warn them. Whoa. Impending doom that's coming, this judgment from God. And verse 18, let me read it. I think this is a New International Version. When I say to a wicked person, this is verse 18, you will surely die. And you do not warn them or speak out to dissuade them from their evil ways. In order to save their life, that wicked person will die for their sin, and I'll hold you accountable for their blood. You're like, whew, so glad it's the Old Testament. Oh, really? Bump your neighbor and say, man, I'm so glad I'm in church on Wednesday night. It's just awesome. It's two groups of people that he's talking about. We're responsible for the sinner who's never walked in righteousness is what he's telling him. And it's what I'm telling you. So I'm telling. You say, I'm a little uncomfortable right now. That's good. Welcome to Kings. We're so glad you're here. You are responsible. Am I my brother's keeper? Yes, actually, is the answer to that question. You are responsible. I am responsible. We are responsible. That's a heavy mandate. 
I mean, that's heavy. We're responsible for the sinner who never walked in righteousness. Yeah, but what if they don't walk in righteousness? That's true. But you're still responsible to tell them. I'm going to go over here. I'm going to go where I get some comfort, over by the capos. I'm coming over here. Thank you, Jesus. We're still responsible to tell them. So we have a mandate from God. Go into all the world. It's not, a, it's, it's, the great, it's, not, it's not the great suggestion. It's the great command. The, it's the great commandment. But if we were to do a show of hands, and I'm certainly not trying to bring condemnation on you, but I am trying to stir you. Second group of people were responsible for the sinner who was once righteous, but is backslidden to hell. <laughs> we're responsible for the backslider. It's called a backslider. Somebody that's slidden from their position. Someone who's returned to evil. I don't know about you, but, you know, I've been here a little while, not as long as some of you, maybe longer than others. I've been here for almost 13 years now. Been the pastor here. I've seen people come and get so set on fire. And I've seen them just backslide straight back like a dog to the vomit. And I've seen people that used to be on fire uh, that, that had slidden away, come home gloriously serving God. And I don't know where you're at tonight, but I know that we have a responsibility as a watchman, just like Ezekiel did. And if you're thinking it's the Old Testament, I'm about to destroy that argument right now. I'm going to help you. Come on. Come on. Just praise break for a second. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Come on. I'm going to try to put some sugar on it, but it might be a little hard. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to try God's clearly speaking to us. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, e. If we warn them, we've saved ourselves. Wow. Verse 19. So God's speaking to us. I want you to go to the book of Romans. Romans 3.23. You all know that one? How many of you heard of the Romans Road? I mean, it was on tracks and T-shirts and coffee mugs and... Uh, most people have forgotten it because most people don't witness anymore, although we're, 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 we're changing that here. And, and seeing many, many, many people come to Christ. We made a goal of 1,000 people uh, last month, and we missed it. We only hit 605. Yeah. I think John Duke did half of them. Not quite half. I mean, all glory to God. I mean, it's just like, you know, he just lives, eats, breathes. I don't know when you eat or go home, but I mean, God, God, amen. <laughs> he's just a witnessing machine. He's, he's got a burden from the Lord. Well, there's so many others. I'm winning more souls than I have in a long, long time. You know, if you get to hanging out with Christians too much, man, you can really get stiff. Like rigor mortis. Brother rigor mortis, sister rigor mortis, and all the rigor mortis children. You don't want to be like that. It is horrible, but it's true. Those who wander out of the way of understanding, says Proverbs, will rest in the congregation of the dead. And if there isn't a concerted effort to drive and push back darkness and win souls, something's seriously wrong. So oftentimes we think people just come, or they'll just come to church or, you know, out of relationship evangelism. And that's true. We do all of those things too. But the kingdom of heaven suffer, I might preach right now. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. God wants to bring you into the promised land. 
and he wants to bring revival. But here's the news. Here's the good news is this. He's given you everything you need for life and godliness, but you have to possess your possession. You have to rise up in your God-given, blood-bought right and forcefully evict demonic intruders. If we don't vote, then you're going to have any old moron get in office. Moron is not a curse word. I asked Siri. It's a special kind of stupid moron. So we need to vote. We need to get involved in the political process. We need to, we need to believe that the God's going to raise up educators and, and, and teachers and doctors and lawyers and people that'll, that'll live righteously. We need to teach our kids. We need to see a great revival. If America doesn't come into a great outpouring, it's not God's fault. It's the church who's asleep in the arms of the enemy in most places. And I am here to stir you up to tell you that you're a watchman. We are watchmen on the wall. And it's more than just a prayer meeting. It's more than intercession. It's intercession, yes, by all means. And it's action. Word, event, word. You'll note that's a theological, the big German theological word that I can't remember. And if I could, I couldn't pronounce it anyway. Word, event, word. That's what God does. Your Old Testament, New Testament is what he does. He speaks, he acts, he speaks again. He speaks, he acts, he speaks again. He's always looking. He's, his eyes go to and fro, searching for a man, searching for a woman whose heart is steadfast towards him, that he might strengthen them. How will they know unless we're sent? Y'all there in Romans? Romans has brought more revivals than any other book in the entire Bible. Bible, still the number one bestseller. Not according to the New York Times, but they don't know all that much anyway. You getting political? Didn't you buy? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Totally for saving babies. Totally against abortion. Absolutely against same-sex marriage. I will live and die by this thing right here. And if they want to come and snatch the old 501c3, they can try. We're not here for a tax credit. Come on, somebody say amen. We're here to be a watchman on the wall with the love of God and declare the truth to a dying, hurting, broken world. And I'm telling you, I believe, I prophesied it tonight, the tide has turned. Something has shifted. Everywhere I go, I hear people talking about, does anybody remember, you'd have to be older, but you remember the Jesus movement. We can have another one of those. We can have another Jesus movement where the power of God hits high schools, elementary schools. People are getting baptized in Wasilla Lake, coming up with like little slugs on them, but full of the Holy Ghost. Come on. Pray cleansing and healing of the itch. Can you imagine if at Wasilla Lake, hundreds and hundreds of people were lined up and being baptized and you had to change the pastor out because his back is sore and he's got to get in the healing line because he's dunked so many people. And people are just one after another, after another, after another, after another, after another. Can you imagine God pouring out his spirit? He wants to do it. He wants to do it. He wants to, but he's looking for people. He's not looking for half-hearted, lackadaisical, smooth-kneed, apathetic, asleep in the arms of the enemy church. He's looking for somebody to rise in their God-given dominion and power and to declare the glory of God to a dying, a dying generation. You in Romans? Am I yelling? Romans. Apostle Paul says in Romans 3.23, for all, now it's Koine Greek in the, in the New Testament. And if you look at the word all in Greek, it means all. Okay. All have sinned. 
and fallen short of the glory of God. Now go to Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death. I'll just stop there for a moment. Every person is a sinner. Sin means to miss the mark. Every single one has lied before, stolen before, cheated before, taken the Lord's name in vain before. Every single person has lusted after something, someone, him or her before. And being honest, everyone would say that's true of me. If you're honest, raise your hand. Say, yep, that's me. All right, all the rest of you guys, liars go to hell. So I'm just saying. All right, praise God. So by our own admission, by our own admission, we need a Savior. We don't need a rule book. Thank God we have one. But we need a Savior. You, you can't do it. It's in your blood. Sin is in your blood. It's passed down to you. So I mean, even if the most right, righteous kids, kids aren't righteous, you don't have to teach them not to share. They're, they automatically don't share. That's mine. Where does that come from? Oh, no, kids are perfect. No, they're not. You're lying again. Remember, liars go to hell. Oh, my kids are perfect. Hell is real. And Jesus spoke a lot about it. Somebody asked me not long ago, tell me about your church. What kind of church is it? I said, well, it's a, it's a Christian church. Believe the Bible. Spirit-filled church. Pentecostal church. Oh. Are you one of those hellfire churches? I said, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Listen, you'll have no, one of the things you'll notice that's happening around here is there's a fresh move of God's spirit. I mean, it's just been happening for years, but I don't know. That, the second service, can I just say this? The second service, 11 o'clock, it was, there was no room by far. Every chair was out. All our extra chairs were out. It was just capacity. And I watched, I watched a man come in the back. I don't think he'd ever been here before. And, uh, in fact, I'm pretty sure he's never been here before. And I was greeting people coming through our lone door over there. Thank God for our new building. We need it. Lord, we need that building. God, help us to finish it. And when they, when they walked in, I mean, to say that it was electric in here, I mean, the power of God was so palpable, so tangible, I did not know what was going to happen and, and the place was exuberant joy, like plus, plus. Like it, it was like that tonight, but it was plus, plus from tonight. And as they, as they came in, he leaned against a, one of the sides of the wall there. Now, don't be offended. I'm just telling you what happened. It's in the Bible. He leaned against the wall, and he says, what the hell? <laughs> and he was in shock. I mean, he's totally freaked out. And I, I was like, whoa. I mean, how many of you know when you get a genuine response like that? I laid hands on this one lady. She says, this guy, you know, I'm, I've been dating him. And, you know, we haven't been doing things right. And I won't explain that. She understood. She's convicted. She had given her life to the Lord. She goes, she'd come a couple times. And she's like, I'm tormented at night. It's like he's visiting me at night. I said, oh, you have like a, you have like a soul tie thing. I said, were, were you inappropriate? Yeah, yeah, we were. I said, I'm going to pray for you. God's going to set you free and break it off. It was right, right back there, about eight rows back. Most of the church had left. It was after service. 
I said, just lift your hands. That's a sign of surrender. She lifted her hands. I laid hands on her. I said, in the name of Jesus, I break this thing. I break this tie. In Jesus' name, I command you to go. And it was like, it was like you heard a two-by-four snap, and she straight cursed. What the boom? And she fell out on the floor, shaking for a second. What the? And just straight cursing in church. Now, you know, you know when that happened, when that happens, that's genuine. I'm not offended at that. All right, that's okay. You know, do you remember that? Do you remember that, Pastor Tim? She said, what the? What was that? So that's the power of the Holy Spirit. Hell is a reality, and one of the reasons we're seeing a release of God's power because it's called righteousness and holiness, which, of course, is imputed by the Lord. We receive holiness and righteousness from Him. It's imputed. But then there's a righteousness that's lived out by living right. And the other thing that I think that's happening is because of the, of the soul winning and contending and believing in prayer. Come on, the, the church has got to return to the original recipe. Ain't all about stinking leadership for God's sake. Oh, man. You know, I'm all for a good leadership lesson. But a good leadership lesson doesn't snatch anybody out of hell. And we'll have good leadership. We'll teach good leadership. I mean, I love all that stuff. Hallelujah. The good news is here. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. The good news is, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. That is the good news. You can't just stay in the place of, you know, sinner headed to hell. You've got to go all the way and tell people the good news. Okay, turn to Romans 10. Verse 8. But what does it say? The Lord is near you. The word is near you, pardon me. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. Verse 9 of Romans 10. If, we declare, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Verse 10. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. That's the good news. We're all watchmen on the wall, and so as we begin to bring this to a close, very simply tonight, are you doing your role? You say, well, that's still Old Testament. I, don't st- I still don't see. Okay, all right, very good. So verse 11 says, the Scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. Verse 12, for there's no difference between Jew, Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all. I want you to go to the next point, and then we'll look at Ezekiel 33. I'm sorry, Romans 10, verse 14. 
How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching it to them? And how can anyone preach unless they're sent? It is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. We are all supposed to bring, we're all supposed to be bearers of the truth. Every single one of us. I heard that quote from Augustine, which is quoted by so many who are not into um, witnessing and sharing, boldly sharing their faith because they just quote that saint of old, the most powerful sermon preached is the one lived. Well, I would believe that your life lived before the Lord in righteousness and truth is absolutely a powerful sermon. It is, as Paul said, you are my epistle, you are my letter. So he looks, they would look at the Apostle Paul's disciples and say, man, there must be a God. I think that, that we should have that testimony. But don't stop there. By all means, use words too. So we're all supposed to be bearers of truth. The only way somebody can be saved is if they have their eyes opened and revelation is brought to them. Angels can't preach the gospel. Only humans can. So what if they don't listen? What if they do? And the other thing is you're sowing seed. You're not responsible for them to be healed and saved. That's not your job. Your job is just to bring it. Come on, someone say bring it. There's a reality between life and death. Ezekiel 33, and then I'll bring you the New Testament proof that you're a watchman and you'll be held accountable for whether you've shared your faith or not. Ushers, can you lock the doors, please? We don't want to let anybody out. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. People online are like, thank God I didn't go to church tonight. Just too heavy in there. Woo! Woo! Ezekiel 33, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, speak to your people and say to them, when I bring the sword against the land and the people of the land choose one of their own men to make him their watchman, verse 3, and he sees a sword coming against the land and blows a trumpet and warns the people, then if anyone hears a trumpet but does not heed the warning and the sword comes and takes their life, their blood will not be on their own head, verse 5. Since they heard the sound of the trumpet but did not heed the warning, their blood will be on their own head. And if they heeded the warning, they will have saved themselves. Verse 6, but if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet to warn people and the sword comes and takes someone's life, that person will be taken because of their sin. But I will hold the watchman accountable for their blood. Son of man. I have made you a watchman for the people of Israel. So hear the word. I speak and give, give them the warning for me. And it goes on to reiterate really the same thing that we read in earlier. Our witness is a means by which people will be saved or not. You know, going in church, growing up in growing up in church. I guess I was a child when I showed up in my 20s. I was 20, but I was still a child. So I guess I did grow up in church because I had a whole lot of growing up to do. And, you know, there was seasons in my life where I just, you know, well, they'll, 
God will touch somebody else to speak to him. You know when you're on an airplane, anybody ever been on an airplane, and it's like the Lord's nudging you, nudging you, you're like, I want to sleep. That's what I want to do. I want to watch my movie. But when you have a revelation of your role and your life for which you'll give an account, please understand, I'm, I'm just stirring you with truth. Turn to Acts 20. We're almost done. Our witness is a means by which people are getting saved, and if we don't do our part, we limit God in doing his part, and thereby we'll be held responsible. And it absolutely is in the New Testament. Acts chapter 20. It was a motivation for the Apostle Paul. Acts chapter 20 and verse 26. It says this. Therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of one version says, of all men, of any of you in the, in the new, uh, in international version, new International Version. For I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. So let's just stop there and think about that for a second. So in the, in the understanding of the Apostle Paul, if he had not declared the whole counsel of the kingdom of God, then he would not be innocent. So think about this for a second. We are... Are you saying, Pastor, that we are responsible for our name? I am absolutely saying, yes. You can't save them, but you can tell them. You can invite them. You can hand them something. You can certainly pray. And I, I, this text has motivated me to do some crazy things. You know, and I've told those stories before. When I first started witnessing and telling people about Jesus, I, I, I wasn't, I, I did it just out of obedience, but I was terrified of being rejected. And, I'm, and you'll get rejected. What is our stat? Our stat is out of 10 people, two people don't want to hear. Eight people get saved. That's the stat currently in Wasilla. Ten people here, eight give their hearts to Jesus. Two say, no, thank you. You can keep your stuff. That's, that's, that's great. What's the percentage? Is that 80%? Hey, I got, I know, okay, come on. I got some mathematicians on the front row. 80%. <laughs> Only 20% say no. Listen, let that encourage you. And if you, when you go and share your faith or invite them to church or reach to them or pray for them and they don't like you, there's really statistically only two or three people that like you anyway, so who cares? I'm not sure that's true, but I like how it encourages me. So many people are wounded and don't want to be rejected. And so, like I said, I would pull up to a light in my uh, 1981 VW Rabbit convertible that my wife called it the ashtray, which I'm not quite sure because I didn't smoke, so I'm not sure about that, but maybe it did look like one. And it was Caltrans orange. How many of you know what that color is? Yeah. And, uh, and it was front-wheel drive, and it was a lot of fun. Had a convertible, and uh, the stereo was more expensive than the car itself, which I had my priorities in right order for sure because I just had you know God is in the house hill song when that came out just blasting that I used to just drive around I think it had 800 watts I used to just drive around just blasting worship everywhere because I wanted to be a witness all right it irritated some people but but I, as I, I would get to I would get to stoplights and I would put it in first gear and wait for the timing of the light does anybody know what I'm talking about so the light's red and, all right, we're waiting, and you can see the thing. It's going to turn. Excuse me, I would say at a convertible. So, excuse me, excuse me. And they'd roll their window down because they had air conditioning, but I, I didn't. I just, but I had a convertible. 
in Hawaii. And so they'd roll the window down, and right then the light would go green. And I'd go, Jesus loves you. What? I'd just take off <laughs> with my music going off and crazy. I, I've done hundreds of, I call it drive-by witnessing. But I had a lot of joy, you know, when I would do it. I'd be like, Jesus loves you. What? I'd just take off. They're like, what? And they'd see the church bumper sticker on the back, and they're like, no wonder. King's Chapel, no wonder. Bunch of crazies. Paul was motivated by this truth. We need to be motivated by it. Innocent, can you say that? I can't say that. I can't say that. Can you? And it's an ongoing process, you know. Pray for boldness. Pray for boldness. And wisdom to be able to be used by God as a witness. So do I have to? Yeah, it's, it's a mandate. It's a command. It's a command from Scripture. It's a command that most Christians, because we get uncomfortable, we don't want to, we don't want to be offended, we don't, you know, and so we just, we just rather just smile and, you know, and, and witness in some other ways. And I, I, think that's, I think that's okay. But ask God to give you boldness. Ask God to give you. Don't be under condemnation. Be under conviction. Come on. Some of you live, someone's lived next to you for 20-something years, and you've not knocked on their door and told them that God loves them. Bring them a loaf of bread. Knock on their door. Tell them that God loves them. Invite them to church. Invite them to church. You say, well, I, can't, I can't do what those guys do with that script. You know, we have this script. And I, 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 I've never seen anything like it. A lot of witnessing techniques. I've never seen anything like this. And I, I'm not sure why that is, um, but it's, it's anointed. I really think the key is it's a clear presentation of the gospel. But then, and then the fact that it's a script, because I memorized it, it doesn't work as good. Have you found that, John? It just, uh, you're like, whatever, everybody gets saved when I talk to them. It's because I just got that evangelistic anointing. So you're not like that, I know. But I'm just saying. I've found that when I use this script as opposed to just talk to them, when I'm talking to them, it's mano y mano. It's, it's, they're looking at me. I'm looking at them. When I look at the script, it allows for them to, it allows for them to be left alone with God. We have a whole stack of these. Right? John, can you go check on that for me? Make sure we got a whole stack. Because I want you to take these, and I want you to challenge yourself. And yeah, you're going to have two people that don't like you for it. But they didn't like you anyway, and they're totally miserable. At least you're sowing a seed. And then ten people that give their life to Christ? How about that? Is, do you, does anybody know what it's like? I mean, don't raise your hand, because I don't want anybody to feel embarrassed or whatever. But When you lead somebody, that you want to be set on fire? You want to feel the power of the Spirit rolling through your life? Start winning souls. It changes everything. And it has this one section in here. You know, after they present the gospel, the wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. The Bible also reads, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then you say to them, you're a whosoever, right? And they, yeah, yeah. And then this, this is the key, this is the kicker right here that's very unique to any other witnessing method I've ever seen. I'm going to say a quick prayer for you. Lord, bless Karen. I'm going to get you saved right now, honey. <laughs> Lord, bless Karen and her family with long, healthy lives. Jesus, make yourself real to her. 
right now and do a quick work. If Karen has not received you as her Lord and Savior, I pray that she would do so now. And then you flat ask them, would you like to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And they say, please. It's amazing. And I'm telling you, opioids is demonic power raging all over this place. And God has raised up a company of people to stinking evicted. And I am going to get more and more militant, going to stir you because we're a watchman on the wall. And listen, you'll be held accountable for how you shared your faith or the lack thereof. And if that in that day when you stand before his throne and, and, and you weren't faithful and you weren't innocent of the blood of all men, for God's sake, don't tell them you came to my church because... <laughs> I'm going to be in big trouble because I'm accountable, All right? Come on, that's a little bit of sugar over the top. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. Lift your hands to Jesus all across this place. Come on, lift your hands. Father, we thank you. We pray for boldness right now. We pray for boldness right now. Holy Spirit, come. In Acts chapter 4, they were threatened. And they were, they were threatened to never talk in the name of Jesus again. And they said, far be it for us to obey you rather than God. And they, they said, we can't help but testify. We can't help but speak about what we've seen and what we've heard. And they went back to their life group. Best way to get discipled, by the way, is in a small group. It's in a life group. We've got dozens and dozens of them. Plug in. Grow that way. They go back to their life group and they're having a prayer. They have a prayer meeting. And you can go and look at Acts 4. Come on, go there. Unless you've got your hands raised and you want to stay there, you can do that too. It's okay. Acts 4. Verse I mean, they get arrested. Verse 27. Verse 23. And being let go, they went to their own companion, went back to their life group. They raised their voices to God in one accord. There's that word, one accord. It's a Greek word, homothomodon. It's a violent unity. In other words, while they're raising their voices, they're not thinking about what they're going to have for dinner as soon as church is out. While they're lifting their voice, they are not concerned about anything else but God coming in power and answering their prayer. There's not a distraction. Somebody said, you know, that there, there's not many de demonic manifestations in churches anymore. That's right. I said, that's because people have cell phones. Why does the devil need to demonize them when he can just keep them on their cell phone and they just get distracted of everything? <laughs> you guys don't have smart devices. The truth is that there's dignified devils that come in. We're breaking them off all the time. And let me just say this for someone who's listening that needs to hear this. If you're pressed down, there's, there's a number of people, word of knowledge now. There's a number of people here. And at night, you're, you, you've, you've woken up numerous times, even in the past 30 days, where it's like you can't breathe. 
and there's darkness everywhere and you wake up and something is choking you, something is on you, fear gripping you and it's like darkness around you. That is a devil. And I'm just going to tell you, that was my lot in life until I gave my heart to Christ and understood that I had power and authority. Let me help you. If that happens, just say the name. Just say the name of Jesus. Just say, Jesus, Jesus. I mean, you don't even have to have a prayer life. You just say Jesus because demons flee. You give your life to Christ if you haven't done that. And if you're playing and fooling around with some secret sin and some messed up stuff, that's the, that's the garage door that's been opened to your life for the devil to run in and ravage you and your family. The torment, the anxiety. There's a number of people I'm talking directly to you. You say, how do you know? It's just a gift of the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to call you out. I would never want to embarrass you. But at the same time, you can be free tonight. You can be free. They, they, they cried out and they prayed. Lord, you're God who made heaven and earth back in the text here. Acts 4. And all this is them who, by the mouth of your holy servant, said, Why do the nations rage? This is Psalm 2. And the people plot vain things. The kings of the earth took their stand, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord, against his, high, against his Christ. Verse 27. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate and the Gentiles of the people of Israel, were gathered together to do whatever your hand, your purpose determined before to be done. Verse 29. Now, Lord, this is their prayer. Now, Lord, look on their threats. Look at the opioid crisis, God. Look at the divorce that's taking place. Look at the suicide. Look at the alcoholism. Look at all the debauchery and the, and the perversion. And, and 80% of the man, 80% of the of the pharmaceuticals are consumed by Americans. Americans are been demonized and the church has been asleep. But God says, I'm raising up watchmen in their midst. People with authority and power. You can be free. You can be healed. But how will they know unless someone is sent? And I'm not talking about some limp-wristed, weak Christianity, which is totally an oxymoron. It's like a jumbo shrimp, weak Christianity. You can't teach devils. They need to be evicted. So do you have to get so strong about it? Yeah, I feel passionate about it. If you don't have passion that wakes you up in the morning, gets you out of bed to start praying, your passion is weak indeed. It's been, people are asleep. They're anesthetized. You know what that means? They're numb. People are numb. I'm going to offend some people, but again, welcome to Kings. Smoking so much pot that you can't even see the forest from the trees. With a PTSD problem that Jesus could set you free from. Instead of, instead of the sick of weed. Well, I've known people that have been on medication for years. Drug addict. It started, it started you know, with a back problem. And I, I've had back challenges before. I understand that that can be excruciating. But believe God to heal you. Try to take half doses, you know. Try, try, try not to get all hooked on that thing. Believe God for a miracle. We have miracles all the time. God does creative miracles all the time. God is able to do it. Lord, behold their threats. Okay? And grant to your servants that with all boldness, 
We may speak your word. Come on, ask God for that. Lord, release boldness. Let us be surprised by an injection of boldness and conviction as watchmen on the wall to speak your word. Next verse. By speak your word, by stretching out your hand. Not, not to teach leadership principles with the 16 fundamental leadership principles of the Encyclopedia Britannica. Give me a break. Preach your word by stretching out your hand to heal. Preach your word by stretching out your hand to heal. How do you preach the word? By stretching out your hand to heal. Lord, release healing right now. Who needs healing right here? Lift your hand if you need healing. Father, in Jesus' name, release your healing touch now. Preach your word. Lay that hand on the, on the affected part of your body, whether it be your back, your arm, your shoulder. Lay, lay that part on that, that hand if you can reach it appropriately. Right now, in the name of Jesus, release your word. Speak your word. The, your word meaning your death your resurrection, sin and sickness and disease, defeated by your stripes, God, the atonement, the, the at-one-ment, that which made us at one with you when we repent, the power, the authority, healing is the children's bed, bread. Acts chapter 10 and verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth who went about doing good and healing all that were sick. I pray every person here tonight, right now, in the name of Jesus, as a testament of the word of the Lord, that your word would be preached now by releasing miracles, healing now. Be healed now in the name of Jesus. Be healed now. In Jesus' name, be healed now. Demon power, go. Infirmity, go. Sickness, disease, go. Pain, go. By the mercy of God, release your healing now. Okay, check yourself out. Check yourself out. Who feels better? All the pain gone? All of it? All of it? Pain gone? Come on, wave your hand if you're like, yeah. I, come on, wave your hand if you're like, whoa, snap. I got healed. Come on, now thank him. Come on, thank him. And sometimes, sometimes healing is progressive. Other times it's instantaneous. Sometimes they're healed as they go. Come on, if you got 10%, ram it right down the devil's throat and go for the rest of the 90. Go thank you for 10%. It's not psychological. Remove that secular humanistic mindset that creeps in the church drive that thing out come on release the rest of your healing now in the name of Jesus we see so many miracles on the street because healing and salvation they go hand in hand the word salvation sozo is a holistic healing he doesn't just write your name's name in the book of life and leave you busted, disgusted, and torn up, and dejected, and sick. <laughs> I think I got refreshed myself. Praise the Lord. Sozo, it's, he heals everything. He heals your relationships. He heals your soul. He heals your mind. He touches your physical body. 
He was your family. You don't have to be fighting anymore. You don't have to be angry all the time. You can be free from that. You can be liberated. Come here. Step out. I want to pray for you too. Just come stand right here. Lift your hands to heaven, and as you do, the power of God comes on. <laughs> Release your fire. <laughs> I think they're happy about that. I'm pretty sure that felt good to them. Come on, lift your hands all across this place. Come on, lift your hands to Jesus. Stretch out your hand to heal that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. I pray now a commissioning over every person here that would receive it. That they would stand as a watchman and become innocent of the blood of all the men, the people, the women, the children that, that, that you've placed in our lives. Release a boldness. They said, Lord, give us more of the stuff that got us in trouble. Give us more of the power that got us in trouble with because it's way better than anything else. We can't help but testify. Release boldness. Now, just a couple more moments in the service. Hands lifted all across this place. Holy Ghost, come. Release your fire. Now. I want to share just a couple thoughts and then we're going to do something special and we'll be done. What would happen? I mean, how many people are here? I'll just tell you. Estimated 225 adults. Maybe a little more. Maybe 250, let's call it. There's children in the back. What would happen? What would happen if 250 people said, you know something? I'm going to bring somebody to church Sunday. Well, we would go to 250 new people. What, what would happen if 250 people decided, you know what, just this week, I'm going to get one person saved. Just, just one. I'm going to try for one. I'm going to try for one. I'm going to take that script. I'm going to pray. What would happen? 12 people and then the 120 turned the known world upside down. We're sitting in the great north land of Alaska because some people back in Israel a couple thousand years ago, oh, they say that Islam's the fastest growing grow religion. It's a total lie. No, Christianity, spirit-filled Christianity is spreading faster than anything else. It is like a big, you know why? Because his power is real. His name is above every other name. And the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is available for us. So you don't have to be bound. You don't have to be addicted. You don't have to be afflicted. You don't have to be, you don't have to be underneath the thumb of the devil anymore. You can write, you don't have to be pressed down in your bed, choked out, addicted and depressed with hearing voices all around. You can rise up and be free. All across this place, if you're not right with God, don't you leave. Don't you leave this place in that condition. Every head bowed, every eye closed, those on whatever device you're on right now, those that are listening at a later date. 
If you're not right with God, I implore you. I plead with you on Christ's behalf not to play religious games. Don't play religious games. Get real. You can be free. How do you know? Because I was bound and addicted and afflicted. And I did live in the street a long time ago. And I have been called by God along with many others to snatch people out of the jaws of hell every single day. It's why we're here. It's why we're building the building. It's already too small. It's okay. It'll do for now. Maybe we'll get that property next to it. I, I don't know. But the Lord is raising up an army. He's raising up a people. You want Jesus tonight? You've never given your heart to him? There's a number of people that have never given your heart to Christ. You want to do that tonight? Secondly, the second call is for those of you who used to serve him and you realized you're, you're not as on fire as you used to be and you want to come home tonight. You want to sell out tonight. You want to give your life back to Christ. You feel like, man, I'm, I'm, I've lost my zeal. I've got some compromise maybe. Or thirdly, if you just aren't sure that the devil lies to you and you just aren't sure if you're really saved and you want to be really sure. Let me repeat that. One, you want to give your heart to Jesus for the first time. You've never done that before. You want to do it tonight. Two, you want to recommit because you drifted in your commitment. Maybe you have compromise. Maybe, maybe, you're, maybe you're on the fence. You get one foot in the world, one foot in the kingdom. Very painful, painful walk. It's not God's plan. You want to sell out. You want to come home. You want to give all your heart to God. Or three, you just want to be assured of your salvation. Intercessors praying. People all across this place, every head bowed, every eye closed. You say, that's me, Pastor Daniel. I want to give my heart to Jesus. I want to get right with God. I want to be sure. If that's you on the count of three, slip your hand up. One, two, three. Do it right now. Raise your hand high. Raise your hand high. All right. I want you now, in accordance with Romans 10, you raised your hand. You're serious about it. If you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Everybody stand up on your feet. I'm going to lead you in a prayer, but I'm going to ask you to be a little bit bolder than that. Because I have a theory based on this scripture. Jesus said, if you deny me before men, I will deny you. But if you acknowledge me before men, I will acknowledge you. And if you've never done that before, there is something about coming to a front of a church of a bunch of people that love God and saying, I'm going to live for Jesus. It, it's different than just praying a simple prayer in your seat. And I would never want to embarrass you, yet I understand that. And if that's you, you raised your hand or you didn't, you know you need to be included. As soon as Brother Toby begins to sing, you step out from where, you're, where you are and meet me right up front right here. Ready? Set? Go. Come on. Come. Meet me right here. Come on. Meet me. Come on. Come. You raised your hand or you didn't? Come on. Come. Come, come close. There's others that are coming with you. Come all the way up front. There's room up here. Come on. Come on, come to Jesus. Come on, come. If you raise your hand and you didn't, you know you need to be included. Step out from where you are. Come on, get some guns.
one of my leadership crew, why don't you make yourself up here? Make your way up here, please. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray this prayer. All of you, all, all your eyes on me here, look at, look at Pastor for a second. We're going to pray this simple prayer, all right? When we do, every sin you've ever committed is going to go underneath the blood, and it'll never be remembered by God again, ever again. The Bible says that he throws it as far as the east is from the west. And it doesn't go around the world and hit you in the back of the head. It goes into the sea of forgetfulness, the Bible says. And we love fishing in Alaska, but you don't want to go fishing there. You just forget it. Everything you've ever done, every lie I've ever, yep, every lie. Every horrible thing I ever did to people and all the different things I did that were wrong. Yep, all of that. Yep. The hardest thing for me was forgiving myself. See, here's the thing. Jesus was crucified so that you don't have to die. He rose again from the grave so that you can have life and life abundant. Life free from torment and from disease. Free from the antagonistic attacks of the enemy. You're going to get free tonight. All across this place, we're going to pray this prayer. Would you reaffirm your faith, those online, and you pray with these? Just repeat after me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father. Come on, right out loud. You say, I have to do it out loud? Yeah, I just, Romans 10. Yeah, you got to do it out loud. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in my place, to rise again for the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin and come into my life. Come on, boldly come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Wash me. Cleanse me. And make me new. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Let me pray for you. That you be filled with the Holy Spirit. Just lift your hands to heaven all across this place. Those up front. Yep. Two hands. Stick them up. It's a universal sign of surrender. Holy Spirit, I pray right now. Lord, release your power. Break off strongholds. Break every chain. Break every assignment of darkness now in the name of Jesus. Even a spirit of suicide. In Jesus' name, self-hatred, I command you to go. I command your power now to be broken. In Jesus' name, release your power. Fill these with your Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. Be free. Be filled. And I declare they'll have a hunger for the Word of God, a hunger for the things of the Spirit. And would find a healthy church to go to, including this one. God, touch them and bless their family. May they live for you all the days of their life with the strength and the power that you give them even now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.